going to be talking about a systematic theology of medicine. Um, and this is going to be an introduction. Obviously, this is a huge topic. And, and, and this is to provide some sort of a, a framework or a meta discourse of a lot of what we talk about, I think, at ASA in terms of science and faith, but specifically with the medicine. Um, so hopefully this will be this will be going through a lot of topics really quickly, but hopefully it will help you to provide a framework as you think about these questions. So who am I? Um, I wear many hats. I'm a student of many things right now. Um, I'm, I'm studying, um, getting an MD-PhD at Johns Hopkins. Uh, my research is in cancer genomics, um, and I'm training to become a pathologist. Um, I'm also at the School of Public Health, studying bioinformatics. Uh, and, and as well, I've had great interest in theology and pursuing an MAR at Reformed Theological Seminary. So that's where my background is coming from. A lot of my thinking of my theology will come from a Reformed background. And the label I give myself is scientific and medical dexologist. And that's like the framework I like to give all of us is that we call ourselves not in foremost, first and foremost, not by our occupation, but our, but our calling of God to praise him. So I like to call myself first and foremost a dexologist. Stealing this from G.I. Packer, who says, you know, theology is for doxology. And he actually sings the doxology before every single one of his classes. So I think, I think biology is for doxology, right? Chemistry is for, pathology, uh, for doxology, and pathology is for doxology. So I think to frame even this discussion, to think of us as, as, as believers, as Christians, as first and foremost, not, not, as a, not as a doctor or a biochemist or engineer or a lawyer, but as someone who praises God, you know, as a doxologist, and to throw out our, our, our adjectives in front of that. So my discussion is going to be split up in three sort of uh, three parts. Um, the first part is a little bit sort of prolegomena discussion about um, why we should do this and how we should do this in terms of thinking about a systematic theology of medicine. And then we're going to go through some topics. I, I know I, I, I put in a lot of topics here, and I'll only go through some of them, and hopefully this will sort of spark your thoughts. Um, and maybe you'll think more about it, and this will be further discussions, and then we're going to provide some concluding remarks. So in, in order to talk about a, a relationship between um, systematic theology and medicine, um, it's, it's important to think about these two fields in, in independence and see how they overlap in themselves. And often this is um, when we talk about a relationship between science and theology or science and faith, there's sort of the four metrics that people talk about, um, whether you know, people have framed it in dif different ways or whether in, in sort of in terms of Richard Niebuhr's language um, of antagonism, of you know, Jesus of culture, of, of Christ and culture. But the four basically is, comes down to this. is one, whether of, of conflict, right? They are antagonism to each other, whether they're independent, whether there's the sort of non-overlapping magisteria, whether there's a dialogue or whether you combine them. And as, as I would probably guess, as most people in the ASA, they're not probably people who think, you know, they're in conflict um, and, or they're totally independent, that they come together in some sort of way um, and there's some sort of dialogue or integration between them. And what I like to sort of propose is that um, there's two ways of how they come together. Um, is that Two ways, if you look at top here, is one, one direction is you can start from the science uh, for the medicine, and you can have implications on theology, right? You have make different discoveries on science, then it will influ influence how we think about sort of the world that God has created for us. For example, like us learning about the Big Bang, 
makes a lot of sense. Theologically, we know about it, but it's like, oh, wow. You know, scientifically, we now have a basis of understanding sort of the Big Bang or, or how sort of the methods of God's creation. But another way of thinking about it is not from the science to the theology, but starting from a foundation of, of a theological foundation and then building towards the science. And that, that's what I'm trying to sort of propose today. Um, and, and these are different ways of engagement. Um, and you can do it in all different ways. And this is, just, this is one way to start from the theology and go to the science and what, we, what we, the implications of that. Um, and it's important that when we think about these things is when we, when we start from a theological foundation and we talk about th science in the public square, you can't sort of go to your congressman and say, you know what, uh, we, we shouldn't do abortion because the Bible said so. I, within the church, it's a t totally valid argument. As Christians, we can totally do that. But within the public square, it requires more of a natural law discussion. But what I'm going to be discussing here is we're going to be discussing things from a theological background. So we're going to say, because God has said these things, how then do we think about science? So this is, there's a, there's a, there's a forum for public square engagement, but I think my talk is going to be more of how do we discuss this about science and medicine from within the church? Um, the, the important thing is, no matter um, what faith background you come from, um, everybody comes from a different sort of, Foundational presuppositions and principles, you know, often called a worldview. This is a very common idea that people talk about now. Everybody has a worldview. Everybody has uh, thoughts of of, um, of which they operate, a framework from, from which they think about things, whether it's about origins, about creation, about life. Um, and it's important that, that when we come to medicine, we all bring in our worldviews um, as well. So then we can think about, if we all do have a worldview, how can this worldview be biblically informed? Um, and more specifically in our topic today, is more systematically theologically informed um, and how to apply theology to all, all life. Um, and I think many of us have heard you know, Abraham Kuyper's famous quote, you know, there's not one square inch in the whole world which Christ did not, not point to and say, it's mine. And that is no exception from medicine. Right? Although in the public square we talk about medicine, we probably have to talk about a sort of natural law arguments. But within the church, there's a deep theological foundations of medicine, and that's what I think we should, I'm going to discuss today. So what is medicine? Medicine is actually a very, very big topic, um, um, and it has very, very big implications, and obviously we're going to cover all of them. Um, Medicine is their sort of your bread and butter medicine when you think about sort of the doctor and the patient, right? The physician-patient relationship. And that's often considered as medicine. But it's much more than that when you think about medicine. Um, there's daily health and preventative medicine, which, which I like, called, like to call um, boring medicine or non-sexy medicine. It's, you know, when we talk about, you know, doctors saving lives and, you know, all the exciting things or, or you know, people getting ill, but what is actually really important is what occurs in the day-to-day. Right? Um, of, of your diet, of your exercise. And sort of the Bible has a lot of things to, to teach us about that. Not only in terms of on a smaller scale, but on a larger scale in terms of public health um, and in terms of medical systems, right? That's all included within medicine. Medicine also includes the whole biomedical research um, community. And, and there's definitely biblical foundations for that. Um, and, and there's a growing field. It's, it's probably about two decades old. Um, a system called the philosophy of medicine, where philosophers are starting to think about what are the foundations of medicine, um, like the philosophy of science. What are the foundations of medicine? What are the implications of that? Um, 
So th this is a big topic, um, and so the, sort of the, the scope that we're talking about. In the same way we talk about medicine, it's also important that we talk about theology. And again, theology is a big topic, and um, and whether you want to talk about you know, historical theology or biblical theology or systematic theology. The, the, the topic we're going to explore today is systematic theology. And why systematic theology? I think within, for, for people who are coming from a scientific background, they like to think systematically. Um, so so other, other theology, for biblical theology, except, for example, is talking about what the different books of the Bible teach us about um, what, what the specific Bible books of the Bible teach. But where systematic theology takes topics and says, what are the the whole canon of scripture teaching us about a specific topic. You know, on, you know, the topic of Christ would be Christology, and the topic you know, of, of God would be theology proper. So to take these already established categories that have been around for thousands of years, and now let us apply them to science and medicine. And we can think about how that works. I mean, even today, this morning, the speaker uh, today talked about, for example, Imago Dei, which comes from you know, biblical and systematic theology under, you know, um, the theological anthropology. So a lot of these dis topics we talk about within the conference and within our discussions actually comes from these fields. And I'm just hoping that to provide a framework as we think about these things. So what are the interfaces? So you know, obviously, theology is a big topic, and medicine is a big topic, and the interface interfaces are multifaceted. Um, the most obvious one that people discuss Obviously, it's bioethics, right? When we have these hard-to-deal-with problems, um, and, and that's a very, very important field, um, and there has been a lot of discussion there. But I think even more, I think most people aren't, well, the, the situations you face bioethical dilemmas are, are not as common as, for example, your everyday living, right? So your view of health and wholeness and shalom affects what you're going to be eating after you listen to me ramble on. Um, right, so so that's going to be important. Your, that decision that you're going to ma be making biblically about your health is, is those decisions you make on a daily da daily basis. So I think I'm going to explore even more le less of the sort of bioethical issues which are important, but more of sort of the day to day issues. Um, so there's ways ways that we look at, for example, what is disease and what is suffering and what is illness, or or how we live our daily life and what is health, what is shalom. Is it just you know being healthy and physical physically? What does it mean? What is the biblical view of health? Um, and furthermore, even the, the practice of medicine in itself, right? Um, and how does one be a good doctor? Um, does it just require lots of expertise in terms of knowledge, or, or what does it look like to be a good doctor? And, and even more in terms of public policy, in terms of healthcare systems, right? We have this huge healthcare debate. Are there biblical foundations to that? Um, so those are all huge topics, and as I said, this, these are going to be sort of overviews as we discuss them. Okay, so the topics of systematic theology we're, we're going to explore. Let's see, yeah. um, So these are some of the, um, the topics of systematic theology, epistemology, um, theology proper, anthropology, Christology, hematology, soteriology, eschatology. Um, a lot of ologies and a lot of fancy words, you know, you can sound smart by saying them. Um, but, but in fact, we all have thoughts on all these topics, even if we know it or not. For example, epistemology. Epistemology is the, the, the study of knowledge, of what we think is true or not. And for example, 
when we think in epistemology, there's a very sort of naturalistic scientific way of thinking. You know, thing is true only if we can prove it scientifically, right? But there's a biblical sort of epistemology that we can think about. There's, you know, ways of looking at all these topics, whether it's what we think about God, what we think about anthropology is about man and woman, what we think about Christ, what we think about sin, what we think about salvation, what we think about the future and last things. All these things we already have, we think about these things, but they're just not organized in these categories. And these, um, this is just to provide a framework. So epistemology, how does epistemology rule in uh, important for us as we think about medicine? So epistemology, we know that you know, God has revealed himself in terms of two types of knowledge. Um, there's natural revelation and special revelation. Natural revelation is what we receive, right? The heavens declare the glory of God, right? All these things that believers, non-believers are able to to see very clearly. But even more, as believers, we have special revelation, which is um, the Bible. Um, and the Bible provides us a good resource of knowledge um, to, to go from. And like I said before, there's, there's, there's value to going from the science then to, see, to, to help think about our theology. But there's ways to think about, you know what? We know these things from the Bible. Then how do we think about them in terms of science and medicine? So what is very, very helpful about special revelation is it provides two very important foundations. Um, first is the epistemic foundation, and the secondly is the moral foundation. There's many, many more, but these are two important things about um, in terms of science and medicine. Epistemic foundation is where is knowledge? How do we know something is true or not, right? Um, and that's, a, that's within a huge debate of, between, I think, deists and atheists and um, theists. Um, so we think about it like what is true, what is not, um, what, is, what is valuable knowledge. Um, and the Bible says, teaches us that, you know what, not only is there special general revelation, but there's also special revelation, and we can derive knowledge from that. And so the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and, and how the Bible is effective for that knowledge. But even more, there's a moral foundation, which is very important, not only in the um, every day, but often comes up in, in bioethics, for example, right? Bioethics people always discuss, you know, should we do situ situational ethics, you know? How do we know it's right? Should we, should we say what's the best for the environment? Should we know it's best for the father, for the mother, for the child? What do we know is right? Um, is there a right and wrong at all? Um, and is there a foundation? Should we just decide? And the Bible says, no, there is a right and wrong. And furthermore, and the Lord is the ultimate metric of right and wrong, and that there is such a moral foundation that is possible. Because a lot of philosophers end up sort of throwing up their hands and says, "You know what? It's all relative. You know what? You're right, my right. Um, let's, you know what? You can decide whether you want to abort or not, and I can decide." You know, but I think I think from 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 biblical principles, we can see that there is a moral foundation, and there is value in terms of seeing that. I think that my time is actually quickly going up, so I'm going to just go through the other topics quickly. Uh, understanding of theology proper. Um, theology proper is the study of God. Um, very, very important, obviously, with the theology. But how does that affect us thinking about medicine? Well, the attributes of God are the attributes of goodness from which we derive even the goodness of medical practice. For example, why should I heal someone else, right? I mean, if it's survival of the fittest, I'm more fit than the other person who's sick, right? So I should, you know, let him be less fit or even, you know, push him over the edge so I can be more fit, right? But no, you know, God says the goodness, the, the love, the kindness starts off with, with God. So his attributes are the very foundation 
of medicine. Um, and since I'm going to go through this quickly, I won't go through the specific. Um, I'm going to skip down to providence, um, which is very, very important as we think about medicine. Because, for example, in terms of theology of Jehovah's Witnesses, for example, they, they, um, they, um, they, they don't want to do any procedures that involve blood, blood and transplantation, or people come from a more charismatic background, think that you know, God's healing um, is, is only through miraculous healing. But we know that God works in, things, in ways that's not necessarily purely miraculous, right? The Lord is, is a ruler over the dice. The Lord is rule over the weather. Um, just because we know the water cycle um, you know, evaporates and drops doesn't mean that we say that God is not in charge of the climate and the weather. In the same way, the Lord uses medical systems. Um, and, and for us to under, understand and, um, that the providential of rule even within the medical system is very, very important. As we think about healing and prayer, and, and should we just pray and not go see doctors? You know, or, or should we... Um, um, or, sh- or should we actually go and see doctors? And, and these are, I think, providential rule is very important as we think about that. Um, and thinking about God as creator as well, give us um, humility as we approach the human body. And um, as the last speaker said, right, if you look at the human body, it's, it's, it's complexity, it's, it's baffling, and how everything is in immaculate um, control. And, you know, one degree of temperature difference, you have a fever, and it's different. So for us to approach medicine in a posture of humility and in a posture of seeking um, God in, in that, um, I think, is very important. Um, I think, because I'm short on time, I won't go through the other topics. Um, and as you can see, you can, I think that there's, there's great value um, of, of the church um, of teaching um, its people not only sort of you know, our daily living, but in terms of thinking about systematic theology. So I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging everybody to go home and purchase you know, your systematic theology. You know, read your Burkhoffs or Calvins or, or read your Wayne Grudems. And, and this actually has a great influence um, on how you practice um, all the fields you're in. And, and today we're talking about medicine. Um, so I'm going to provide some concluding remarks about this. Um, so the important thing is, right, people always talk about sort of the, the um, theology of work people, people who want to think about theology of work, talk about this phrase, connecting Sunday to Monday. Um, and, that, and that's very important, I think, especially important for scientists and for um, people involved in medicine. Um, because, you know, you can go worship God on Sunday, and then on Monday it's like, oh, as if, you know, you've, you've never... <laughs> you don't practice as if you're a Christian or how that does not influence your view. And... In fact, it does influence it, and it does influence it in explicit ways and implicit ways. I think um, as a Christian, our, our behavior, and um, um, whether you're a physician or a scientist, um, in terms of your social conduct, for, for example, is, is already influenced greatly. But I'm, my, my challenge is not only to how you live as a person, but even in terms of your, your intellectual pursuits. How can they be um, rounded by your understanding of, of theology, um, of, of, of the Bible? Um, so the question here I propose is, um, again, how is your understanding of theology providing understanding of medicine? And that's sort of to provide further um, um, discussion. And again, I go back to this term that I really love, of uh, scientific and medical doxology, as we pray, praise God in all the fields that we do. Um, so great. And um, I know this is a big topic, and I only touched a few of these topics, and I would welcome discussions of all these other topics, um, whether it's about, you know, about sin, of, 
um, eschatology about future and how that affects our thinking about the body. Um, um, those are very, very important topics. Um, and, and I think I'll close in there. Um, if you want to contact me, um, you can email me, which is in the book, and I'm on Facebook and Twitter as well. And I'm, I'm doxologist on Twitter. I'm glad I got that. Thank you. Any questions? Yes. I think, I think probably there would be topics that would be easier to discuss, but my, my premise is that I think all these topics is going to be relevant. For example, I, you mentioned eschatology. I'm going to take this change. So people think about eschatology, last things. What does that have to do with medicine? I think that is very important as you think about we live in a world of the already, not yet. Our body, you know, although we have been saved by Christ, we're not yet in heaven. So we're not thinking our bodies as the end all and be all. And we're looking towards the new heavens and new earth. And I think our understanding of eschatology would change us as, as we think about our behavior as a patient, for example. We won't you know, necessarily want all, all the last-minute state of the tests and the state of the procedures, because we know, you know what? You know, this is, not only, this is not the only life that there is, and we're looking for the better life and a better future of the world. So I think even eschatology, as, as sort of obscure that is, as a theological discipline, and you try to apply that to medicine, I think it, I think it all works. I think, I think there's a web of theology that all, all interconnected. Yes? Yeah, I think that obviously the separation church is a very complex issue and historically has been sort of, I mean, the, the separation has not been what has been described in, in sort of the current media. Um, I think the, the, the thinking of the church has influenced greatly what has been done in government. I mean, look at our constitution. Um, but I, I think even if there is, um, in, in terms of our political climate, uh, uh, antagonism to Christianity, I think Christianity actually during, flourished during times of antagonism I mean, with, under Roman, Roman society, for example. So I think uh, um, in terms of, of the church in itself, I think we, we can thrive if the government is for us and we can thrive if the government is, is against us. Um, but what's important is that our, our church is sort of not based politically on, on the successes of, of sort of political conquest, but in terms of our church is church, right? Um, um, we, we sort of live in the two kingdoms. So thinking about, you know, we continue to be faithful even if we're persecuted, you know, for example, church in China, continue to be faithful teaching our next generation and ideas of God and continue to be faithful in our, our vocational disciplines. Um, so um, I, I, I don't know what will, the future will be like in the U.S. in terms of that uh, relationship, but I'm optimistic that, that God continues to rule in his church and if his people is continue to be faithful, um, that, that they can make impact, whether within the smaller community or within the larger field that they're in.
Yeah, um, I think I think there yeah there are a couple issues. I mean I mean um, what, whether the church should be um, whether government with healthcare huge topic right um, and I think from a reform perspective I would encourage reading readings on sort of Abraham Kuyper and thinking about sphere sovereignty and, and small systems. But even if we're, I think, persecuted within the, the public education or within the public healthcare system, I think um, the family as a unit will continue to be strong um, within the Christian circle. So whether, if, if our public school teachers don't teach, you know, us as parents, well, I'm not a parent yet. You guys know much more than about me. You know, parents, you know, will have a great responsibility to be teaching in the churches. So, um, so, so I, th- I think I see both both hands, um, and yeah, yes, sir. I think um, one of one of the um, main tenets, I think even even the founding of the United States of our country, I guess I'm naturalized now in my country too, um, is that, right, there's religious freedom. Um, And I think um, what's what's very important that differentiates Christianity from, for example, Muslims, we don't have Sharia law, we don't don't have a theocracy. Um, So our our arguments ultimately um, in the public square is not going to be theologically, you know, purely theologically grounded. I think it's theologically informed. And, and I'm, all this is very theologically informed, and I'm encouraging this. Um, but it, it's hard to say that to a non-Christian, to say that even though you don't believe this, we're going to push this on you um, from a Christian perspective. I think um, from within Muslim countries and Shia law, their theology allows for that. I think within Christianity, we're, we're sort of a, uh, I think the scriptures teach less of a, a theonomy or a theocratic rule. Um, but I think ultimately... Um, all of knowledge is God's knowledge. Um, and all of what's taught to us in scripture will be what makes most sense in the public square at the end. Um, so even if we don't end up um, sort of going to the Bible and saying this is because the Bible says so, I think it'll become obviously true in some sense, right? I mean, for example, so there's the sort of, people talk about the law of the stop sign and the law of the fire, right? A law of the stop sign is that the city council can decide that, you know what, we're going to say that the stop sign, you, uh, you have to stop at a stop sign or we're going to punish you, right? If they don't stop at a stop sign, you know, and they can change that all the time. But the city council cannot say, you know, we're going to now outlaw um, fires to burn and hurt people, right? Um, so the, the natural workings of the universe is not something sort of through human legislation. So a lot of the workings of societies, I think, will be even clearer in terms of um, our arguments through natural law perspectives, um, so does that answer your question? Yes, sir.
Thank you for that question. Yeah, we, we do discuss that a lot, especially in our uh, medical fellowships, right? We get a bunch of medical students and doctors who are, who are tired, <laughs> who don't get to see their family, who are on call, and they're like, you know what, this can't be good for us. Um, um, so, so yeah, there are discussions um, more within Christian circles of how, for example, medical training is, is sort of uh, currently not, not optimal in its design. And actually, there's, there's a good book that's often referred to for medical students or for physicians, um, written by a physician, Dr. Swenson, called Margins. I don't know if any of you read that book, right? That's actually written by a physician because he was worked so hard. You know, he's like, you know what? I'm going to do part time, uh, and, and he's going to be holistic. So I think there are some discussion, but those discussions are less within the sort of science and faith or or um, the bioethics community, and more within sort of the Christian living. Um, how do you live a life as a Christian doctor circles? But I think that's definitely an important aspect. As, as, as doctors think about these things and, and how, how is it to balance their own spiritual lives if they're, you know, their call schedules you know, always on Sundays they can never worship and how that for them to balance yeah, thank you yes sir I mean, that, that's definitely one aspect of that. Um, actually, uh, within the regula- regulatory agencies of medical health, there, HIPAA, for example, actually um, suggests, actually mandates um, a, a taking of a spiritual history to, uh, um, for for each of your patients, at least to understand their sort of their background, where they're coming from, their their systems to support. Um, so that's actually actually mandated there, and I think we we, we do discuss to a lot of doctors saying that you know what, not only. Um, are you suggested as a Christian to do that? Um, but you're obviously even mandated to do that. Um, um, so yeah, so there are many, many studies that do that. I myself actually did a study um, offering um, um, pa- pa- patients' prayer. So I wouldn't, it's, it was a quick four-question questionnaire, you know, whether they have a faith-based system, you know, whether they have a system of support, what religious you know, background they come from. And then the last one was one more personal, whether um, they're willing for their doctor to pray with them. Um, and from my research, actually, um, all but one person, I think out of sort of the 40-some that I did, um, rejected prayer, including the atheists. Like, the atheists who are sick, pray for me, you know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe in God, but pray for me. I don't, you know, so, um, so people, you know, sort of from, from my sort of small sample size of 40, um, that has been, you know, people, and when people, when they're sick, they're, they're, they're no longer having these sort of false premises that they're, they're, they run the world and you know, they're in charge of everything. They now realize their mortality and they're asking often bigger questions. And, and you know, those are, you know, obviously we shouldn't use that to sort of take, take advantage of people who are sick, um, but we minister to them in that way. Any final questions? Great, thank you very much. It's, it's a hack. You're not allowed to. Um, it's a jailbreaking iPad that I, I do some social things with it. They actually don't allow that.
Yes. I do no practical questions for you. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, I got a letter that said our presentations were to be 25 minutes with five minutes for questions. Yes. It seems like they're running 20 minutes with five minutes for questions. Yes. What is our time frame? Um, it is 20 minutes with 10 minute break. So that that sort of that leeway, so that 10 minutes. 20 minutes yes. Yeah. Five minutes question. Yes. And it's a little because we started we started a little bit late and that's why it was, okay, it was so a little so 20 minutes. Yeah. I think I got it cut down to 22, but you know it's really Yeah. Late.